Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She pooted. There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. Was he there? I was there. I don't give a shit. I ain't scared. I ain't scared of shit. Fuck him. You, Bruce. I love you. Double cheeseburger. Double cheese. Double mayo. Double onion, motherfucker. Bruce Pritchard. Did you ever get uh, your bushwhack? I beg your pardon? I don't say anything. Okay. We're back in the arena here. You know what's coming up? It's uh Rockers and Demolition roll tide. And of course, on this same show, we've got Tito Santana and Mr. Perfect for the Intercontinental. And here come not one, not two, but three members of Demolition. Crush has just joined in the last, I don't know, six weeks or so, I believe, here. And they're invoking the free bird rule where any two members of the three person team can defend the title belts. And I think this happens as a result of a shellfish incident with uh, Axe overseas. Is that right? Yeah, there was, so, there was something, uh, an abnormality with his heart that something had triggered it and wanted to continue to have Bill be a part of it. And while Bill was going through all of his, his treatment and what have you. Brian Adams is there and able to bring him in. And yes, I will, I will say that I did suggest the free bird rule. And yes, I definitely, uh, stole that. The rockers here. Do you think, uh, they're sort of the precursor for the Hardy boys and the young bucks and teams like that with, uh, some of their tag team combinations and high flying ways and whatnot. I think that the rockers were the standard bearer for a lot of that. And, you know, the rock and roll express earlier than the rockers. Um, but those 
two teams in many ways, along with the Midnight Express, changed the way that people viewed. It was an opportunity, a tag team like the Rockers, Rock and Roll Express, was an opportunity to take some guys that may not have had the size and be able to feature them in a way that you could accept them and go, holy cow, and it made everything different. We see uh, Smash here working with Marty Jannetty. Marty Jannetty, man, I don't remember seeing many bad matches from him in the company. It's one of those things where you can't help but wonder what if. Yeah, Marty Marty and Shaw were both great, but Marty definitely an unbelievable talent. Talk to me a little bit about you know what we're seeing here a moment ago with, with Hulk Hogan coming back. He's fresh off of filming Suburban Commando, or is he still shooting it during this point, do you think? Um, I think he was still shooting it. Because this is, this is in August, so yeah, I think Hulk was still shooting it. Josh Kuhn had a question about that Hulk Hogan interaction. Any relation to Matt Kuhn? No. Because uh, if he is, I'm going to play some music or something over this answer. Uh, Josh has a last name that starts with a C Matt has a last name that starts with a K. Okay. So Josh is like raccoon. Okay. Uh, Josh raccoon wants to know Hulk Hogan and Vince look great together in the ring for their interview segment. How was their relationship at this time? And how would you classify their relationship today? I do think that's interesting because the company is in a state of flux, if you will, where transitioning from Hulk Hogan, who's been the flag bearer for, I don't know, more than half a decade. And we're moving into the ultimate warrior and Hogan is seemingly going to try his hand in Hollywood a little more than he did the prior year with no holds barred with the suburban commando project. What was their relationship like here, Bruce? And what can you tell us about the relationship now? If you know the, the relationship at this time, it was good. And there's always been a, you know, a love hate relationship there, but underneath it all, there's always been a mutual respect. And I think an admiration on both sides for one another. And during this time, it was Hulk coming back and kind of wondering, is he going to achieve that same glory? And I think that once he came back, not only did he achieve it, but I think that Hulk kind of looked at it as, okay, follow me now. You know, follow this bitch um, to everybody on the roster. And Hulk feeling that was his way of just letting everybody know, hey, yeah, I'm back and I'm still in the top dog. I don't think that the Rockers were capable of a bad match here. And I just love Demolition as a kid. I love the idea of there being three of them too. And boy, with the face paint, oh, that was... A little less than ideal, but a cool shot. I like that NBC shot. We don't see that often where the map or the uh, camera's right on the canvas. That was a cool look. Thank you. Uh, Dan, I doubt it. But still. No, I'll just take it anyway. Dan Brillo wants to know, I watched wrestling for three to four hours every Saturday and Sunday, but I never knew Saturday night's main event was on half the time because I don't know that it was always promoted. I guess I'd miss it. Was there a reason I needed a TV guide to tell me at just 10 years old? I do think this is an interesting question because I guess you guys didn't promote it a lot during your syndication because you didn't want to necessarily tell your audience on, you know, CBS turning over to NBC. 
So you just hoped that NBC would promote it and you would maybe run some newspaper ads or what was the thinking? Yeah, I couldn't disagree more. Uh, During those syndicated shows, we plugged the living shit out of Saturday night's main event. I mean, so much so that they got individual and customized voiceovers in a lot of markets saying, hey, tonight over on channel, whatever. Um, I mean, we got in a lot of trouble for it, but we, we promoted the living shit out of it. That's how I remember that to the point of we, we walked up to and crossed that line quite a bit. Look at another question here. This one comes to us um, from your man, Lenny Bakken. How sudden was Jesse's departure in 1990? Did Bruce see it coming? And what was Vince's reaction? We sort of talked about that earlier in the show, but you, know, you had said that he had had a few run-ins. But did you know about this Sega thing, or was it after the fact when you learned? Shit, that was fast. No, you know, it was... I think there were always grumblings and rumblings. And in addition to that, from producer standpoint, you're always looking for new talent regardless. So was it abrupt? Yes, it was. But at the same time, okay, next. You just have, you have to be somewhat prepared in the back of your mind for what's next. It's just such a noteworthy show we're watching here. As we said, Hulk Hogan's back. Warriors defending the title. We've got Crush making his Saturday night main event debut like a month or six weeks in. The Road Warriors, who are only like a couple of weeks in, they're making their debut. Kerry Von Erich's making his debut. There's just so much going on here. Uh, Let's talk about the importance of Saturday night's main event from a talent perspective. Eric writes in, were payoffs for Saturday night's main event matches different than the superstar slash wrestling challenge matches? I think, you know, it, it, it would probably depend. I don't think they were. I, I actually, well, I take that back. I think that they did get a little extra for Saturday night's main event, but the superstars and challenge shows, those are syndicated shows, and those were to promote you for the live events. So the shows had different purposes. Um, they might've gotten a little extra for this. I don't really recall back in that time frame. I don't think we've seen Shawn Michaels in there yet. Marty Janetti's just been taking a beating. Well, it's Robert Gibson. Yeah, it is. <laughs> No, actually, Ricky was the one that sold, and Robert always made the comeback. I know what you meant. You knew what I meant. He had brown hair. No? Maybe. We should also mention before this show went on the air, the Boy Scouts of America gave Nikolai Volkov a medal, and Nikolai cried and then did the Pledge of Allegiance. What do you remember about uh, the Boy Scouts of America relationship with the company in this era? I think more than anything, it was a it was a local situation, and it was some some way to just allow Nikolai to embrace America all that much more, while America's own Sergeant Slaughter was turning his back on his home country. That Nikolai was embracing the country that embraced him. 
you know, we talked about the fact that you guys actually shot this 12 days ahead of time. How much production was added to this after the fact? Like, is this pretty much live the tape or is there a ton of edits and work sort of once the, uh, the bell rings? Yeah, there's uh, as much editing as went into the syndicated properties and, and what have you. But so, yeah, there, there was quite a bit of editing that took place because these shows were shot fat and cleaned it up, edited it quite a bit, and made it as perfect as it could be for broadcast television. Well, there's a nice bump. But the the, the rockers, again, man, this was, and you look at the size, they're, they're not small guys, but yet they were small in the land of giants, and being able to do the, the hey, these are tag team experts, and sell the rockers that way, made them viable and I dare say they usually had the best matches on the card every night. I love the finish of this. Check this out. Axe is going to come in, clothesline him right off, make the cover and cover up his hair because he's got the same outfit and dark hair and face paint. So it's indistinguishable, which is which that damn free bird rule is invoked. Ta-da demolition, pick up the win. And we're not done. We got a, a little big debut here coming for the tag champs as a surprise. I don't know that Demolition is ready for this. Demolition is always ready, by God. If only they had Mr. Fuji. Ah, oh, this is bullshit. Hey, yeah. Hey, those guys over there, eh? The Nightheart just yelling, bless his heart. How about the road warriors here? Legion of doom in the ring with the heart foundation and the rockers and demolition. What a great year for tag teams. This is 1990 here. Well, see, and this is bullshit too, man. This is basically six against three. This is unfair. The heels were baby faces and the baby faces were heels. Yeah, I mean, according to Meltzer, they were coming in as heels and Demolition was going to be baby faces. Well, then that must have been what we did. I knew this couldn't have been out behind your house because those those leaves don't have enough, uh, well, leaves. Let's get to the show. SummerSlam, first match, Power and Glory versus the Rockers. Uh, everybody knows the Rockers are one of the best teams of all time. And I think Power and Glory are criminally underrated. Uh, let's remind you how we got here on the July 21st, 1990 episode of superstars. Paul Roma is attacked after a match by Dino Bravo. Then the rockers come to the ring for the following match. Roma accuses them of attacking him. The argument turns physical and Roma was backed up by Hercules. One week later, Roma and Hercules appear on the brother love show and form their new team power and glory. I love this tag team and. I don't know why I love it so much, but the silly glasses, the cutoff sweatshirts, tell me what you can about power and glory. Two guys that were, you know, Hercules was kind of coming off of a singles run. And I don't think that, that Paul Roma was, you know, setting the world on fire by any stretch of the imagination, but Two good-looking guys with similar physiques and similar looks, but more than that, similar attitudes of, of really wanting to break out of the pack. And let's try to take these two guys and team them up. And 
make something out of it. To me, it was an opportunity to pool their, their talents rather than try to focus on each one individually because each one individually, I think, only had so much in them. But the, the team, they looked good together. They looked like a team. And it was a way to kind of salvage and elongate both careers. What do you think of those silly, uh, red sunglasses? I mean, is that the most eighties looking thing you've ever seen? Those were awesome. I love them. I, I think me and you need a pair. I just need to find who's got them. Yeah, no, they're, they were great. They, they completed the look, man. You know, it is a very simplistic look, some silly sunglasses, some cut off, uh, sweatshirts that say power on one and glory on the other, throw a lightning bolt in the middle. And then let's throw them in some black trunks and black tights. seems rather simple. Talk to me a little bit about who would have, I mean, is this something you involve creative services or are these just the guys just like, Hey, what can we find at the fucking Walmart? I think, you know, I actually think that creative services may have done a draw up on these and the logo at least. And then the rest was okay. Here, here's a look, here's your stuff. And let's go try this. Well, and I, I, yeah, I do think the creative services, Debbie Bonanzio and those folks over there that, uh, that they were involved in this. Talk to me about Shawn Michaels. He's coming into this match with a bad knee and, uh, there's going to be some stuff written about it. Do you remember Sean working this show hurt? Sean was very hurt. Sean needed to get surgery. And this was during a time where. Okay, if you were hurt and you need to get surgery, let's go out and make a reason for you to to be out of action for a while where the audience can actually see it and not do any more damage to the injury, but it's already there and you gotta have surgery anyway. So let's do it. This is really the first time we hear about him having some sort of knee issue. We know he's gonna have knee surgery in ninety seven and of course, famously, that's the same year where he talks about losing his smile, but he comes back and I don't know. It does feel like he's had a series of knee problems through his career, but this is the first time that it rears its head during his WWF run, right? Yes. Yes. And, and it was unfortunate. Shit happens sometimes, man. Well, power and glory are going to defeat the rockers in six minutes, six minutes and one second. Uh, Meltzer would say it was obvious that Shawn Michaels was hurting, just walking fast down the aisle, the rockers usually run and he wasn't ready to work because of his bad knee. So the only option other than subbing him with Shane Douglas, as they've done on the house shows was to do an immediate angle where Hercules jumped in before the bell and nailed his knee with a chain because of that. Janetti worked the entire match. It's interesting that McMahon acknowledged Michaels was coming into the match with a knee injury. And the guys did about as good as they could, considering they were limited in time, fast action with Roma and Janetti and lots of double teaming as well. Hercules still stinks, but with a hot partner, they'll make one of the better tag teams in the Federation. Roddy Piper kept saying the rockers were like Mick Jagger and David Bowie showing he's kept himself only 15 years behind the times on hot rock artists. Janetti had Roma pinned and Hercules clotheslined him just before the finish. Hercules doing the superplex and Roma splashing him off the top rope. Janetti was probably the best worker on this card. The heels left both guys laying after the match. Michaels did a stretcher job and the way commentary went, 
I got the impression Michaels is going to be out of action for a while. Three stars. Lots to unpack here. What do you think of Meltzer's comment that Janetti is the best worker on the card? I think that Janetti is an excellent worker. And uh, I don't know if he was best on the card, but he definitely was an excellent worker. It's it's interesting that, you know, Janetti is held in such high regard as an as a bell to bell performer, but it's the out of the ring stuff that's always kept him in trouble. I'm sure me and you never talked about this, but I'm sure it at least came across your timeline and you saw some of the craziness that Janetti's name has been attached to this year. Yeah, you know, it's just a shame, and I've never understood the the need to to share everything about your life out in public. Um, as you know, I, this is about as much as I'll do, and I, I don't I don't subscribe to it. Don't try not to do it. And people say, "God damn, Bruce, you do a podcast <laughs> every week." Yeah, I do. I just uh, try to keep personal things personal. Yeah, you always play, you know, with with Stephanie's particular challenges here or there. You don't comment on it at all. You just, I mean, if it comes up, it's because I'm, you know, trying to rally some prayer warriors for you here on the show, but it's not like you're putting any of your business out there. Yeah, and then so I just think that that's kind of, on on Marty's part, it's it's yeah, it's tough to comment on because you you don't know you don't know what's fact what's fiction and what's just trying to get your name out out there in the public. I hope that Marty can pull the nose up. I mean, he's one of all of our favorite wrestlers. You know, growing up, we grew up with him, and I don't want to see him in a bad way. So I hope that he can get some things straight, and and it would just be great for him to have a second act. I agree. Let's talk about power and glory. You know, they're, as I said, one of my guilty pleasure tag teams. I absolutely love their finish. I think they had a cool look and presentation, but they're only going to last like another year and then they're done. Why don't you think power and glory had a longer run? Was it just, were they a little, a little too late? Like if they well, would think that having a year run at that time is a pretty good run, frankly. And some guys didn't even get to have that. Right. But having a run at the, at, the, at the time that they did and being able to go out there and people still talking about them today, I think is pretty damn impressive. Uh, why, when they needed a manager, did you guys look to slick? It may have been as simple as slick needed someone to, to manage. And it may have been just as simple as, hey, these guys work with Dr. Style. Um, not much more than that, really. Did you not think that Hercules and Roma were capable of doing a good promo, or was it more heels have bad guy managers in this era? You tell me. What do you think? I, I don't think that, that Roma and Herc were a good promo, and I think they needed help, and Plus, heels need managers. 
Well, yeah, that was sort of my, my thinking. I mean, I'm not saying that those guys were going to come out and cut, you know, rock and flare level promos, but it does feel like at least in this era, if you're not sure, do you, do you cheer this team or boo this team? Cause they kind of look cool and they're doing cool power moves and look, they just beat the rockers. It must be pretty good. But if you've got slick over in the corner, it's like a little reminder. Oh yeah. We're supposed to boo them because we don't like that guy. Bastards. Stop sending money to big insurance companies that profit off of not paying your bills. Did you know that 48 million claims on Obamacare last year were denied? That's one fifth of claims that are going to get rejected. Do you want to take that chance? Health insurance sucks. It's confusing, expensive, and frustrating, but there is a better way. Welcome to the alternative. Crowd Health was created to get rid of the headaches of health insurance for 175 bucks for an individual or just 575 for a family of four or more. You'll get access to a community of people who are willing to help out in the event of an emergency. You'll also get telemedicine visits, discounted prescriptions, and more. All of this without doctors networks getting in the way. Let Crowd Health help with your healthcare needs. You can get started today for just $99 per month for the first three months when you use the code WRESTLE to get the health care you deserve. Crowd Health is not insurance. Learn more at joincrowdhealth.com. That's joincrowdhealth.com and use the code WRESTLE to get started for just $99 per month for the first three months. That's joincrowdhealth.com and use the promo code WRESTLE. Uh, at the end of 88, you find yourself, well, not you, but brother love has a segment with honky tonk, man. Greg, he's just a honky tonk, man. I'm a honky tonk, man. There's a honky tonk, man. He's a honky tonk. There's a honky tonk, man. I'm cool. I'm cocky. I'm bad. Fresh fresh. So this brother love segment has honky tonk, man, Greg Valentine and Jimmy Hart. Was there already thought of putting these two together as a tag team or was it more of just Hey, they're stable mates because of Jimmy. At that time, they were stable mates because of Jimmy. And then, uh, you know, looking looking for a tag team to put two guys together, I think they complemented each other pretty well. Honky was, again, same thing as, as putting, putting Greg with Beefcake, putting him with Jimmy, putting him with different guys that uh, had a little more show to them. A tag match for WrestleMania five is set up with Valentine and Honky to face the Hart Foundation, which of course the Hart Foundation end up winning. What do you think of uh, Valentine and Honky's chemistry together, at least when they first got going? I thought they actually. I mean, I really thought that they had good chemistry, and I, you add to that Jimmy, but it was it was just so different. It was a yin and a yang. One, one's heavy on entertainment. One's right. heavy on wrestling. Yeah. Greg and Honky are put back together, but this time as rhythm and blues. And there's a story out there that Jesse, the body Ventura kept telling Greg, he had to dye his hair black for almost eight months, but Valentine resisted until finally doing it. Do you remember how you guys got Greg to dye his hair and hey, hold this guitar? We know you can't play a lick, but wear this jacket and hold this guitar and I think that it was awesome. Um, <laughs> it was fucking great. You were looking for a word, and let me just tell you, awesome was not the word. Oh uh, no, it was awesome. You loved rhythm and blues. Oh, I loved rhythm and blues. And I loved Greg's black hair. Man, that made it. 
You loved it because he hated it. No, no. I loved it because it was great. Because you had taken a guy that you had viewed as one way. That's true. His entire career. And he was one dimensional in many ways, man. He moves straight forward with his bleach blonde hair and his nice robes and all this shit. And you shake that package up with the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, the honky tonk man. No doubt. Put them together with Jimmy Hart and their rhythm and blues. And honky's the rhythm and Greg's the blues. And it's like, they had to be different. Otherwise, it was just Greg Valentine and Honky Tonk Man. Yeah. Well, they were different. They were different. They were great. You put Greg in his, in his um, the Elvis jackets and shit like that and the big glasses. It was absolutely awesome. I loved it. Well, one of their biggest outings and most memorable moments is WrestleMania Six. Oh, my God. The pink Cadillac. Diamond Dallas Page is the driver. Who in wrestling knew Dallas had a pink Cadillac? And who in the company said, hey, what if we used a pink Cadillac? Milk and Dream, Duffy Rose. One time I said, Dream, Dream. One of we can find a pink Cadillac somewhere. We need to look for a pink Cadillac. Goes, Pong in the head. Pong in the head. I got a pink Cadillac for you. You know, uh, Daddy, Dallas Page. He down there in Fort Myers, Norma Jean, he got a pink Cadillac. He let you use it. Had you seen any of his AWA stuff? Who? Dallas Page when he was married. I knew Dallas from from, so you from didn't Florida. Know. Yeah. Okay. No, I knew Dallas. You went to the bars and stuff? Yeah. Um but I didn't know he had a pink Cadillac. Dusty's the one that told me he had a pink Cadillac. And so I called him and uh, or Dusty called him. I forget how the hell we did it, but we I said, Hey man, can you get that pink Cadillac to Toronto? And he said yes. So we put he was the driver and all that shit. Beautiful fucking pink Cadillac. That's awesome. Peggy Sue. You know, it was great. Uh, what's your favorite uh, Honky Tonk Man song? Well, you know. Where does Honka Honka Honky Honky Love? I was just going to say Honka 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 Honky Love is, is a classic. Where does that It was fit? an instant classic. Hey, look, man, you're never going to get any better than I'm just a honky-tonk man. He's a honky-tonk man. I'm just a honky-tonk man. He's a honky I'm just a honky-tonk man. I'm cool. I'm cocky. I'm bad. I'm great. That fucking song resonates still today. I mean, goddamn Dwight Yoakam wrote a song about the honky-tonk man. Oh, it's got to be Wayne Ferris he's talking about. Yeah, too. Yeah. Who else would it be? Duh. So, uh... Gorilla Monsoon on commentary would say every time Greg Valentine got on the microphone, if you hung the hammer for being a good singer, you would hang an innocent person. Everybody was having fun with this. Was Greg having fun with this? I don't think Greg was having as much fun as everyone else was having with it. No, I could guess that. But I think that it, uh, at some point, the Greg kind of, Went ahead and said, all right, this is what it's going to be. I might as well just kind of jump on into it. Rhythm and Blues are seemingly lost in the tag team shuffle. You know, you've got a lot of great teams at the time. The Hart Foundation, the Rockers. Uh, of course, the Legion of Doom are coming in. Demolitions there. So Rhythm and Blues wind up feuding with the Bushwhackers. Do you remember? The, why don't you laugh? 
Because I just go back to the, the WrestleMania six thing when the you had the uh, souvenir guys around the ring throwing out stuff and Honky Tonk Man cuts his promo and goes, Hey, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, those aren't souvenir vendors out there. That's Bushwhacker Luke. And that's Bushwhacker Butch. And there, you know, and it was just like. So campy. It was hilarious. And you loved it. I did love it. It was great. Do you remember either Honky or Greg being upset with their lot in life or the check so good that they're not a peep? You know, I think that Honky Tonk Man probably felt that he should be the Honky Tonk Man and that uh, Greg was probably piggybacking on his gimmick. Greg probably felt that he should be Greg Valentine and that he should have no attachment whatsoever to Honky Tonk's gimmick. However, the threesome, Jimmy Hart, Greg Valentine, and the Honky Tonk Man, Rhythm and Blues, man, that shit was great. Did you know that Rhythm and Blues Greg Valentine action figure is one of the most coveted ever? Oh, I bet it is. Seriously. I, no, I'm serious. I bet it is because of the black hair and the whole different thing. It's different than any other Greg Valentine look that he's ever done. I think Cardona spent like new Toyota money on one. Well, so there you go. I mean, that's silly, but. Uh, they began a feud with the Hart Foundation in September. Doesn't really go anywhere. But then they're a part of the Undertaker's debut at Survivor Series on his team with Ted DiBiase. Uh, Valentine's pinned by Bret Hart. It feels like they're just sort of more or less treading water here uh, as we wind down 1990. The last match of the Honky Tonk Man happens on December 16th, 1990 in the Meadowlands. He's going to team with Valentine and Power and Glory to lose to the Bushwhackers and Hart Foundation. We've talked about Honky before, but what's the deal? Oh, God, I think just Honky getting inside Honky's own head. And he could do that sometimes, just thinking he deserves more, wants more, and uh, I'll just leave. So he did. Of course, they come back in 2012 after seemingly, you know, there's no shot at that. And they're back. Not only are they back, they wind up winning the World Tag Team titles from Goldust and Cody Rhodes at the 2014 Royal Rumble. Uh, They lose them uh, to the Usos on Raw. So all told, the New Age Outlaws would win the World Tag Team titles here in the World Wrestling Federation or World Wrestling Entertainment six times. And um, they feel like such an important part of the Attitude Era. Obviously, with the whole suck it chant, the crotch chops, we got two words for you, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I mean, all of that stuff was so over. It's such a part of the Attitude Era. I'm curious what you think their legacy in the business will be because they did so much before, you know, obviously with Road Dog having such a history with his family in the business and Billy Gunn as a smoking gun, and now they're both working in the business in a different role. What will their legacy be, do you think? I think that Billy's legacy is is going to be uh, the New Age Outlaws and their time with DX. I think that, that Road Dog's legacy is obviously going to be a part of the Armstrong name and or the James name, if you will. And I really and truly, you laugh at this. We used to say this way back when, um, when Brian was in the New Age Outlaws, that his true legacy will be in creative and coming up with things for other people. Um, he truly is a creative, creative guy and has great ideas. And I think that when all said and done. 
that's going to be uh, Brian James' legacy. You know, and I know, you know, a lot of people, without knowing his full story, will hear that and, the, and, and his position in the company now and be like, what? The guy who went to rehab, who got fired for drugs, who couldn't keep his shit together, and they just totally dismissed what he did in a prior life, being a fucking Marine, leading other Marines, and then all the creativity that he was able to bring to the Attitude Era, if you mesh both of those together, the discipline and the leadership with that creativity, he's like the fucking perfect guy to be. In yeah, and, and I'm not and I'm not advocating um, doing drugs or abusing anything like that. But I will say this: when you have done those things, you have a lot of things to draw back on and and create from, I guess, if you will. When you've lived life and you've experienced <laughs> pretty much uh, so many things in, in different ways, uh, you got a lot to to draw from. And he's got a hell of a lot to draw from. What was the um, the Steve Martin movie where he was like the revival preacher, Leap of Faith, I think? Something Leap of like Faith, that. yeah. So, I mean, he has a speech in there about, you know, he's the perfect preacher because he's the sinner, you know? And yes. It's just an interesting story. I think Road Dog has one of the more fascinating stories in all of wrestling. Not to discount Billy Gunn's position, but just where Road Dog is now and where he was before. Who the fuck has done that? Let me ask you this. Billy Gunn certainly has had himself a Hall of Fame-worthy career. Nine tag team titles, intercontinental title, hardcore title, king of the ring. Uh, he did it all. Obviously, Road Dog's there, too. Six tag titles, hardcore title, intercontinental title, and what he's doing now. These guys are definitely getting in the Hall of Fame, right? Absolutely. Will definitely. They, will they go in, in your opinion, will there be a DX induction, or will it just be the New Age Outlaw? Frankly, uh, I think that they should go in as the New Age Outlaws, and I think they should go in as DX. So you think they should get two rings like Ric Flair did? Yeah. I like it. Um, where do you rank the New Age Outlaws? This is something we're going to get everybody talking about and tweeting about it, and I want you in our conversation. Uh, participate over on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash something to wrestle. As a reminder, when we get 30,000 likes, we're going to throw you a bonus show but, Bruce, you're actually going to roll out a new segment this coming week. Do you want to smarten everybody up? I'll let you do it. Well, here's the deal. We know you want more, Bruce. We know you want more insight. Starting this next week on Monday, Monday, you'll be able to tune in and get a couple of minutes with Bruce every single day to get your day started. I'm talking seven days a week, every single day, you'll get two or three minutes of love from Bruce Pritchard. Uh, any sort of little insight, little anecdotes he's got, Really fun stuff that you don't want to miss. It's over at Facebook.com forward slash something to wrestle. If you've always wondered, when are they going to do a second show? How about a daily one? How about a few day, a few minutes every single day to get your day started? First thing in the morning, go check out Facebook.com forward slash something to wrestle. And when you throw us that like, we're one closer to a bonus show. But let's stir some shit up, man. Where do you rank the New Age Outlaws? All-time Tag team greatest list, where are they? Above who, below who, tippy top, what do you think? Top five. Okay, let's talk about freestyle now. Who else is in that top five? You're putting the New Age Outlaws in there. Let's round out the five in no particular order. I'm going to put uh, the Hardys in there. Woof! Pissing everybody yeah. off. Let's keep going. Hey, you know what? Uh, great. I'm going to put the Heart Foundation in there. Oh, yeah, people are pissed now. Why? Well, because you're, you're, you're going to have to squeeze out somebody. There's no room for the Steiners, the, the Express, the other Express, the Road Warriors. How are you rounding it out? 
I'm putting the Road Warriors and the Midnight Express in there, and then, well, and the Rock and Roll Express. That's six. Can I do six? No, we got to do five. Okay, I'll push the, the, the Hardys out for Rock and Roll. So, Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express, the Road Warriors, the Heart. New Age Outlaws, and the Hearts. And the, Wow. So, the Steiners are fucked. Hardys are fucked. You want five people. I mean, there's only five teams that can go on the top five. A lot of people right now are going to find our show, and they're going to delete, delete, delete it. I'm just saying. Have at it. Uh, chat me up. Let's talk about, you know, what's next for these guys. Do you think Billy Gunn's getting welcome back in the fold? It feels like just a matter of time to me. Doesn't it, you? Yeah. Sure. Um, can you think of another tag team? This is what's most fascinating to me about the New Age Outlaws. Can you think of another tag team where it was two sort of you know, I don't mean to disparage the guys, but floundering singles. They didn't have the singles career they anticipated. They put them together, and they're fucking dynamite. And then you try them as singles again, and it's just a fart in church. Can you think of a time with with, with another set of guys who have that exact same situation? Well, the Dudleys, after they were a team, their singles same floundered. That didn't work. But they weren't really singles before. Not really. Well, but they weren't a, they weren't necessarily a team either. They were a group. I call them in W in ECW. Whatever. Give me, can you give me, can you give me another one. Um, is is the Rock and Roll Express maybe uh, maybe the Midnight Express? Well, see, Bobby Eaton was always a great tag team guy. Bobby Bobby was always just a you know he was with with George Goulas. I mean, he was the worker, but Bobby was always a tag team guy. Bobby was never a, a can't ever remember Bobby having a single run. Well, I'd love to hear from you if you're a listener and you have an answer here. Let's start a debate and let's do it on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash something to wrestle. We'll throw a post up. Can you think of another tag team quite like the New Age Outlaws, where you know the sum of the parts, man. Wow. What a team. But individually, I mean, it was good. But it wasn't what it was as a tag team before or after. Santa Baby, the season for a fresh cut is finally here with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming have just launched their fifth-generation performance package to help you avoid another silent night in the bedroom this year. Take care of your special snowflake with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra and watch your South Pole shine like never before. Get the best stocking stuffer of all by going to manscaped.com and using the code STW for 20% off plus free shipping. Mrs. Claus will thank you. Hey, serious business. This is the ultimate gift for your spouse, yourself, or the dude in your life. I can't tell you how many people I've gifted Manscaped. It is a hit every single time. If you got a dirty Santa, or, or something like that, where you can pass this presence around, or maybe you want to get a big pop, give this to your grandfather, give this to your dad, give this to your favorite uncle. He will show it off with pride. Everyone will get a chuckle. And then here's the best part. It's awesome. He's going to love it. I want to be clear. This isn't a gag gift. This is the gift that keeps on giving, but it does make people smile. It makes you smile. Doesn't it? Imagine giving this to your dad. Man, everybody's going to pop. Mom's going to be happy too. Wait, maybe I shouldn't talk about them too much more. Manscaped Serious Business is a one-stop shop for all your holiday needs. They have the perfect gift in this Performance Package 5.0 Ultra. It's got loads of perfect stocking stuffers along with it as well. What could be better than giving the gift of good hygiene and a few laughs? 
Start with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's the crown jewel of the holidays, and dare I say, the best ball trimmer of all time. The electric razor's advanced skin safe technology is a lifesaver and known for reducing nicks and cuts on his Santa sack. But the fun doesn't stop there. Anybody in the family have too much scruff? Well, look no further than Manscaped's Beard Hedger Pro Kit and the handyman electric face shaver for all of his facial hair needs. Maybe your dad's got some nasty ass nose hairs. Well, save the day with the Weed Whacker 2.0 nose and ear hair trimmer. Maybe their boxer game is weak. We'll take care of those chestnuts with Manscaped's Boxers 2.0, featuring their signature jewel pouch to keep you calm, cool, and collected. Have their nails seen better days? Well, Manscaped has you covered with their new Shears 3.0 nail grooming kit. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code STW at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use the code STW. Say ho, ho, ho to a well-groomed mistletoe with manscaped uh well next up here we are this is what everybody's here for it's the main event of the show the 10-man tag team match some brief uh background as we kind of head into this in the june 23rd edition of the wrestling observer newsletter uh it was originally reported that sid was supposed to be a part of this match teaming with austin shamrock and the legion of doom uh, however, Goldust winds up getting the spot and allegedly this takes place because Sid was involved in a car accident with two cold Scorpio, Doug Furness and Phil LaFawn on June 15th. Do you know that Sid was originally supposed to be here and that all changed because of the car wreck? Yes, it did. And there were, there's some, uh, suspect at best, uh, feelings that, uh, softball season started too. Because the other guys were still were, were working at that point, and Sid was the only holdout? Yes. Okay. Um, during an in-ring promo with the Hart Foundation at King of the Ring the prior month, Brent Hart had challenged the five best American wrestlers in the WWF to fight the Hart Foundation at the next month's pay-per-view, which, of course, is this one. Uh, where did the idea for this match come from? The only match that we normally see like this in the WWF where it's a big uh, multi-man tag match like this on top was the survivor series. But even by this point, that concept had kind of been faded out. Um, who pushed for let's make the heart foundation one giant team. Well, they pretty much were already there, but it was the sentiment that we were getting because we were doing, like I said, we were doing those TVs in Canada. We were getting such a strong, uh, feeling for the hearts in Canada, baby faces. It's just the, another example of just great timing. We're having this pay-per-view coming up in Canada. What better place to let the Canadians stand strong and give Brett and the uh, Hart Foundation a spotlight, put them over here on top, uh, feature them. We knew that they were going to get a great response in Calgary, especially Jesus Christ, if we had done it in Toronto. It would have been just as big, but Calgary, especially. So it was a way to get everybody on because with the, in your house, you're only going to have, you're not going to have that three hour pay-per-view. So you're, you're cutting out three matches off of a show. And this is a way to get a lot of people on the card, get a lot of people, a lot of star power involved in one match. So the next night on the June 9th Raw, Austin accepts the challenge for the match, and prior this happens prior to his match with Brian Pillman. Uh, but then before that match uh, can take place, the Hart Foundation attacks Austin, 
which leads to Mankind having to replace him in the match with Pillman. Uh, after the match, though, Austin and Shamrock come down to clear the ring of the Hart Foundation, and Austin gives a Stone Cold Stunner to Shamrock. The following week, we see Austin and Pillman finally get that match, and the Hart Foundation members are handcuffed to the ring posts, but they somehow manage to release themselves and attack Austin. This leads to Shamrock, Mankind, and Goldust coming down to make the save, and after a brief brawl between Austin and Shamrock, the LOD come in to break it up, and Goldust suggests that he, Shamrock, and LOD team up with Austin in the five-on-five match at the pay-per-view. Uh, so on June 23rd, the LOD and the Godwins have a match, and the LOD, of course, get the victory. And after the match, the the Hart Foundation attacks them. On that same show, you see Owen Hart beat Goldust and Hunter Hearst Helmsley by pinning Goldust. And uh, Goldust was originally winning the match by pinning Owen with the curtain call, but the champ had his foot on the bottom rope, and Gorilla Monsoon has to restart the match. Um, June 30th, we have the tag team tournament semifinals where Owen Hart and Davy Boy Smith defeat the Headbangers after about four minutes. And during the match, Bret Hart is called in and discusses his return to the ring Sunday at the Canadian Stampede pay-per-view and how the opposing team would be treated by the Calgary crowd. And then afterwards, Cornette appears on stage and tells Owen and Davy uh, he had a team that couldn't make the tag tournament but wanted to fight. So he brings out the unintroduced squat team who brawled with the headbangers, Owen and Davey, and then Owen and Davey quickly leave the ring, and the headbangers were laid out by the squat team uh, following a top rope moonsault. And this was Cornette's surprise return after a six-month absence. Uh, what can you tell us about the build for this 10-man tag team match here? Oh, God. You know, the... Single episode, if you were to ask Jim Cornette what almost made him retire from wrestling, walk away, and never to be heard from ever again, his answer back then, anyway, would not have been Vince Russo. I think it would have been this one night when he came out to debut what had been billed as this great uh, tag team, uh, super heavyweights that can do everything and do it all. And they're basically, uh, a smaller version of Abdullah, the butchers, but they're two of them. They're twins and they're the greatest workers in the world. They're really good guys. Wonderful guys from the Dominican Republic uh, spent a lot of time with them in Puerto Rico and in Mexico. Great, great guys. This was the version of a universal fart in church that was heard not just all over the world, but this was heard in galaxies far, far, far fucking away. And the look on Cornette's face when they finally hit the ring because they were rolling down the ramp. And when they finally hit the ring in slow motion and Davy Boy and Owen had to wait which felt like 20 minutes for them to get up on their feet. It was horrible. 
and Cornette came back and he was he was just devastated and, and was like, God damn, I'll never fucking be able to show my face again. I can't manage these fucking goddamn tumble lard motherfuckers. What the fuck am I supposed to do? I'm a goddamn manager of motherfucking champions. I actually manage guys that can fucking stand up on their own goddamn two feet and have a fucking match. What the fuck am I supposed to do with these goddamn motherfuckers? And bless their little hearts, they were never to be seen again. It was awful. I don't know if that's anywhere on the network, but folks, that's worth that's that's it, one worth looking up. It is. It's on the network. Oh God. Yeah. So let it me let bad. me give everybody the marker here to go look for on the network again. Uh, it's the June thirtieth, nineteen ninety seven edition of Raw. On that same episode, uh, we would see. This is the go-home show now for the pay-per-view. Steve Austin would defeat Jim Neidhart by DQ after about 10 minutes when Bret Hart, uh, who was said to be in Calgary earlier in the show, was now seen attacking Ken Shamrock backstage midway through the match and then attacking Austin. Uh, After the match, Bret put Austin in the ring post figure four until Mankind came out and applied the mandible claw, and the remainder of the Hart Foundation come down uh, to beat um, Mankind. Let's kind of talk about hypotheticals, I guess. Why the fuck isn't Mankind in the tag team match? It feels like he's been involved in all the build here, even the week before on the Go Home show when our, our babyface superhero, Steve Austin, um, is, is getting beat up and ganged up on. Mankind is there. Why is he not in the match? Simply because we had to continue the story with him and Hunter then why put him in this spot is what I'm saying. I agree with you, but it was, that's the reason that he wasn't in the match and just to keep him out there because he was a big name and continue, but they wanted to keep him in the match with Hunter. Couldn't that have been um, some, one of the road warriors or Goldust or anybody else. It feels like they want, this feels like to me, Hey, mankind should be the guy, but we, we've already got plans for him with Hunter. So we're going to put Goldust in there, but we don't want Goldust to get the rub from being in all the other segments. We don't think he's, we don't have as much confidence in him right now as we do mankind or else Goldust would be doing this, right? Probably. Yeah. Just so it was because mankind was involved and he was a top guy and they wanted top guys involved in it. Was it a orig- Doesn't it make sense that it would have originally been written for Goldust and then someone in the back says, fuck that, make it mankind, put mankind out there instead. Uh, definitely could have happened, but uh, just you know, from the from the standpoint of doing it, it was for star power, and felt that mankind had more star power. So Bret Hart kind of called the shot here on this show when he calls in and says that, you know, Bret's hometown crowd is going to eat these guys up. Did you guys know that that would be the the response, or did you think that since Austin was so hot and the Road Warriors were so popular that? That may not go exactly the way it did with the live crowd. We were we were certainly counting on it, and this was another example of kind of preconditioning the crowd. To if they weren't, by God, by Brett saying it, we felt that they would be. But we were we were sure as hell hoping they were. So here's another reason that mankind was involved, and a lot of people will remember this. Mankind was kind of campaigning to be Steve Austin's new tag team partner. Austin and Shawn Michaels had become the tag champs. And they actually wrestled each other as tag champs, but they faced each other uh, at the King of the Ring in 97. But by this point, Michaels is back out with an injury. This is after they do their little hair-pulling situation, Brett and Sean in the back. 
So the titles are taken off of Austin and Michaels, and this is how the tournament was born, the tournament that Owen and Davey just won. Um, but the plan here is that the winners of the tournament have to face Austin and a partner of his choosing for the tag titles. So Mankind is coming to the ring and making the save uh, with a sign around his neck that says, Pick Me, Steve, which to me seems like the perfect opportunity to insert him into the 10-man tag, but he's programmed with Hunter instead. Um, any sort of post note you want to put on anything that I just went over there? No, it just simply was, you know, star power and, and trying to get through everything with Mankind and Triple H, and then we finally got around to the Dude Love and Steve. But just just timing and get through it and do what you can. So it's time to really do it now. We're going to talk about the match itself. But first, the, the video package they show uh, is just showing how the gang warfare and the factions have taken over the WWF in 1997. You see the DOA, the Bariquas, all these different guys. And they're doing this to build up an explanation as to, hey, why we need 10 guys here. Uh, and before the match starts, we have a three-woman group called the Farmer's Daughter perform the Canadian National Anthem, O Canada. Uh, you guys are really hammering home the Canadian pride with this part of the show. Uh, and the National Anthem has historically been done at the start of the show, uh, but now it's done at the end of the show, right before the main event. Are you doing this to fire up the local crowd and get heat with the people watching at home or both? All the above. Holy cow, man. It was the farmer's daughter. You know, the other thing that you're going through all that stuff that struck me in the package was all of the factions and the, it wasn't an emphasis, but just the, the inclusion of DOA and the inclusion of of the nation, none of who were involved in this last match. And again, hindsight being 2020 as I'm sitting there watching this going, fuck, it took us forever to get to the Austin Brett story in this package. Um, that was crazy, but no, the national anthem. Yeah. Let's get them to a frenzy. And this is the main event. Let's go. Well, let's go to the ring. We see Howard Finkel here with a cowboy hat. Does Finkel own a cowboy hat or is this a loner? He probably does now. <laughs> uh, so oh, can, can, can I keep this fence? It would look good in my closet. They go ahead and introduce some notable figures here ringside, uh, including a Canadian politician, Ralph Klein. Uh, he's the premier of the province of Alberta. And of course, Stu and Helen Hart, who got a huge reaction. You know, we talk about Stu a lot here on the show, but we haven't really talked about Helen a whole lot. Do you have any sort of, Memories of uh, Helen Hart or Angles in particular? Helen Hart. I think that the um, I'm going to skip to the very end of the show. Uh, I think the best line of the entire night was Jerry Lawler when all the hearts were out there. And Jerry Lawler says, Stu and Helen Hart are responsible for all of this. And it was just so apropos. It was funny but also apropos and Helen and Stu Hart met back in Long Island, New York, uh, at the behest of Paul Bosch, uh, Stu and Paul were lifeguards, met Helen and Paul introduced, uh, Stu and Helen. They fell in love and got married and had the Hart clan. But Helen was, I mean, she was the matriarch. She was the one that kept it all together through thick and thin through the ups and the downs and just, personified class she was old 
old New York money, old New York class. And I think that her family was devastated that she went on to marry this wrestler, uh, Stu Hart. But she she was just a just a class class lady, man. I really like the Hearts, uh, Stu and Helen. Hey guys, are you looking for the perfect Father's Day gift idea? I was, and I found it at Paint Your Life. With Paint Your Life, you'll get a hand painted portrait created to fit almost any budget, and it's a great gift idea for your mother, your father, or both. You see, Paint Your Life transform your photos into a one-of-a-kind hand-painted portrait done by professional artists. You can upload photos of anything you can imagine. You choose the artists and the art medium. They've even got great frames. It all takes less than five minutes to get started, and you can get your portrait in as little as two weeks. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at PaintYourLife.com. And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now as a limited time offer, get 20% off your painting. That's right. 20% off and free shipping to get this special offer. Just text the word wrestle to eight, seven, two, zero, four. That's wrestle to eight, seven, two, zero, four text wrestle to eight, seven, two, zero, four paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Um, so let's talk about when we actually get an introduction here for the guys. Um, it's kind of a, uh, it's a, it's really weird to go back and watch this. And I encourage everybody to go, go watch the main event. If nothing else, because you want to see the introductions and everything here, uh, the LODs come out and get mostly cheers. Shamrock gets more booze than cheers. Goldust is pretty heavily booed, but Austin is booed out of the damn building. So he's got major heat with this Canadian crowd. But then when the baby faces become introduced, man, it is just one after another, louder, louder, louder. When Pillman first comes out as like the home team, uh, the roof blows off the place. It's, it's unbelievable the response that they get. And it seemingly gets a little bigger with each introduction. Uh, this entrance here is one of the more iconic in the history of wrestling. It's a goosebump moment. Were you a gorilla for this? What was the reaction backstage when the crowd is just going bananas for their hometown heroes? You talk about the in the match before with Undertaker and Vader, the camera shaking. The entire building was shaking, and you just felt this huge electricity, man. It, it was. It's kind of like your home team winning the World Series, and this was just on the entrance. But Brett walking out and that confidence, they loved him. It was true electricity, man. And I, I was. I was sitting right at Gorilla when when they had the entrances. And you get goosebumps. It's, it was truly a goosebump moment. It was a goosebump moment, again, watching it 20 years later on the network. Um, let's run through this. We've talked about this being Brett's first match back. Uh, this is not just you know, happy timing that, Oh, my, my knee is miraculously at a hundred percent. And we just so happened to be having a pay-per-view in my hometown. 
you can tell from watching this, at least in my opinion, Brett's knee is not where it needs to be, but he was not going to miss this show. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that Brett came back. He probably did come back too soon, but yeah, he wasn't about to miss this. This was a great homecoming, and this was a great platform. And we didn't use Brett a lot after this, and he was protected pretty well in this match. Another yeah. reason that you got five on five. Yeah, if you got ten guys, you know you can kind of pick your spots, and, and the pressure won't be as big there. But we start off with Brett and Austin, and this is you know the the top babyface and the top heel. And in Canada, it's the exact opposite. The heat is incredible, and uh, eventually Nightheart is tagged in, and the place goes nuts with Anvil chance. Um, and they're they're really hitting a big stride early, and they get. Uh, the crowd to a huge fevered pitch. Uh, and even for little stuff, when Owen makes a comeback with a drop kick and then nips up, uh, it, it is a huge pop. Um, he goes for a Frankensteiner on animal, but animal instead power bombs him and hits a power slam. Uh, but somehow Nightheart makes the save. And that's when we start to see the heat start to build. Austin rams Owen's knee into the post and hits the knee with a chair and the heel heat on Austin here is amazing. The crowd is ready to tear into him. Um, also, Owen, in, in return of that, has to be taken to the back, and this makes it five on four. And then Brett starts to ram Austin's knee into the post and uses the figure four around the post, which means that Austin has to be taken to the back. So now we've got the odds sort of evened out, both teams down a man. Uh, and it was at this point when the crowd starts to settle a little bit uh, maybe because Austin wasn't involved. Would you agree with that, Bruce? Exactly. And we were, we kind of wanted to, believe it or not, you wanted the national and worldwide audience not to see Steve booed so much as well. But yes, to get this match, let's settle it down a little bit and let's build to the big return and the big finish. Weren't going to take Brett out of the damn thing, so uh, Owen and, and Steve were the perfect mix. Which again takes me to the to the finish. Which, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, it, we can go ahead and um, and tell the story here. Uh, about 21 minutes in, we see Austin return, and he starts working some spots with Brett going back and forth. Brett actually gets the sharpshooter on, but Animal makes the save, and then Austin puts the sharpshooter on Brett, which is huge heat. But Owen comes limping down from the back for a diving save. Uh, Austin will clothesline Owen Hart over the top rope. And at this point, this is where things get fun. Austin starts to go after Stu Hart, uh, who is at ringside with Bruce Hart, still decked out in his 1987 Bad Company leather jacket and sunglasses. Uh, and they get involved. Uh, it's worth mentioning, before the match started, that the family was acknowledged as being in the front row, especially when Brett put his hitman glasses on his mom. Uh, so at this point, you see Austin throw Wayne Hart and BJ Annis, uh, a Hart brother-in-law who wrestled more than a decade for Stampede, over the rail while all of this madness is going on. And then out of nowhere, Austin is pinned with a schoolboy. After all this craziness, Owen rolls him up, uh, and that's it. Uh, the, the wrestlers and family members continue to brawl until the Keystone Cops come out and break things up. And then they have this huge Hart family celebration in the ring. And Austin comes back and hits Neidhart with a chair before half the family jumps him again, um, including Bruce, before the cops cuff him and take him out. 
uh, on his way out with the cuffs on, he bends over and flips the crowd off on the way out, which was just awesome. A super heel performance by Austin here. And just an incredible spectacle to see. Uh, and, of course, the show goes off the air with the entire Hart family, all the kids, the grandkids, Stu and Helen, a huge ovation. Uh, the Dirt Sheets gave it four and a quarter stars. I don't know how this isn't five stars just based on crowd reaction alone. Owen was positioned to be the hero of the match, you know, having to leave with a knee injury, but then coming back to make the, the save for the family and then doing the roll-up here. Uh, and, of course, we know that would lead to the match that we would see at SummerSlam, the Kiss My Ass Intercontinental title match that we would see one month later at SummerSlam 97. Bruce, one of the best moments in, in, in WWF history here. What do you remember about this main event? You know, everybody was waiting. Everybody was waiting for the hearts to get involved and for that explosion. You know, what, what was going to be the spark that was going to ignite that explosion. And if you can imagine trying to put a match together with 10 guys and 10 personalities that are involved in, in that type of a match, that in and of itself is a nightmare. You add to that trying to work in a spot with a ton of family members, some who have never worked, some who worked many, many years ago, some who are still working and feel that they're a big star, and then two elderly people right in the middle of it that it all has to be centered around. And your nightmare all of a sudden becomes complicated by about a hundredfold. So kudos to, to Pat Patterson for being able to put it all together and manage all of the personalities and be able to, to calm the family members down because each family member wanted to have their spot. Let me ask you this. Uh, this was on the wrestling with shadows documentary. Uh, they were there filming kind of backstage before this show happened. And that's actually included parts of this match are included on that DVD. Uh, I bring it up because it's positioned or it looks at least there. And you never know with wrestling, how much is the work and how much isn't that that whole adding all the family and getting all of them involved was added the day of when Brett and McMahon are talking about the fact that they're all there. And then you see Brett talking with Bruce and another brother and, and talking to Pat Patterson and kind of laying it all out. And then it, they even have a commentary on here with you, Brett and Patterson's voices heard as y'all are explaining what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. And it's kind of the voiceover for when they show us what really happened. Um, any memories of filming this documentary during this time? Is that something that was added at the last minute or was that all just to put on for the documentary? Well, probably most of it was to put on for the documentary as far as laying out exactly what was going to happen with the family. Yeah, that happened that day. As far as the, the actual logistics, we knew they were all going to be there. And we told Pat ahead of time, you need to be thinking about how we can involve the family and how we can do something with them for the finish of this match and get everybody involved and kind of spotlighted as you got into it, because we had already been through the, uh, the whole hearts, uh, feuding with, with, the, all the brothers before the survivor series prior to this. So we kind of knew, you know, you got a lot of personalities and a lot of stuff to work with here, but you know, of course, Bruce, 
and I like Bruce Hart, but Bruce wanted to, uh, you know, he wanted to be the center of it, didn't want anybody touching his dad, and was very protective and felt that he he should be the one to get involved. Bruce felt he should have been in the, in the damn match. But so Bruce, of course, had to be the one to, to throw the drink on Austin. And if you go back and you look and you watch the finish of that match and when everybody's involved, Man, Bruce has to go after everybody, and you see a, a point where Shamrock gets a little frustrated with, with Bruce, and you see a point where uh, Hawk actually gets pretty damn frustrated with Bruce because he, he's not selling and he won't let go, and and here are these guys that we've got to make money with week in and week out, and nobody knows who Bruce Hart is on a worldwide uh, audience, and this guy is trying to take down Ken Shamrock and trying to take down the road warrior. So it was, it was complicated at best. And then Smith wants to get involved in it. And Smith was, you know, they're, they're not the best and they all wanted to look good. None of them wanted to sell for the baby faces. None of them wanted to sell for Austin or Shamrock or anybody. So that kind of presented a problem in and of itself. Hence you do the fast, uh, finish inside the ring with the roll up the one, two, three, Owen gets one on Austin and then you have the big brawl, and that's all people are going to remember at the end of the day. And then Steve coming back out at the end, and uh, God, uh, Steve wanted to kill some people because he's he's down there. And we did have uh, legitimate Barney Fife's out there that looked like. Did you see the cops? Yeah, they looked. I mean, the the, the one guy looked just like Barney Fife. And they're out there, and they're trying to, to handcuff Steve and, and all this shit. And the hearts are still beating on him. And Steve's unprotected as hell, and uh, he wasn't real happy about that. But uh, just trying to get them all out there, and then they filled the ring. And you see Owen and his kids in the ring, and Brett and all of his kids, and every one of the grandkids coming up and paying their respects to Stu and Helen and Lawler's classic line that Stu and Helen are responsible for everything in that ring right there. And it was true. It was true. But it was a great feel-good live event. And I think for the international audience and that, that global audience, I think that they – they still saw their heroes as their heroes and still saw Brett and the hearts as kind of bitter, bitter Canadians. So Bruce is on vacation and I can only hope that means he's putting some miles on that Peter meat. Thanks to blue chew. Let's talk about sex boys and girls. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Well, now you can be again, thanks to blue chew. Blue chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis and Levitra, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Take these dudes anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Roll Tide. And then the process is simple, y'all. You sign up at BlueChew.com. You consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you receive your prescription within days. And here's the best part. It's all done online. That means no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversation, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. BlueChew's tablets are made in the USA, prepared and shipped directly to your door, all in a discreet package. Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And boy, do we have a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code WRESTLE at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com. The promo code is WRESTLE and you'll receive your first month free 
Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank BlueChew for sponsoring today's podcast. And Bruce's Ding Dong. Let's uh, let's keep it moving here. And later in 1991, Tugboat turns heel, changes his name to Typhoon, and joins Jimmy Hart's group. He and Earthquake are going to form a team called the Natural Disasters. Uh, believe it or not, this is Dave Silva's favorite tag team. I can't believe that's the thing. I don't know if because, you know, he just likes big fat guys. I guess that explains why he likes me. I don't know, but chat me up. The Natural Disasters. What's the thinking here? Well, they are. It's goddamn typhoon and dadgum earthquake and natural disasters. I, and during the time, I don't know, I'm trying to think. Um, Jimmy Hart was referencing earthquake as a natural disaster. And so the two just kind of came together, and now you've got an earthquake and you have a typhoon, and you've got a tag team of the natural disasters and it made sense and they were one hell of a tag team. Good Lord. You know, how are you going to compete with those two big bastards and gave new life to tugboat because tugboat is tugboat. Uh-uh. Let's, uh, let's remind everybody they do have, um, quite the success here. They immediately start a feud with the tag team champions, the Legion of doom. They're wrestling each other for the titles at the 92 Royal rumble natural disasters, get the win by count out. So Legion of doom keeps the tag titles and Meltzer would say, this was actually the best match I've seen these four have, but that says more about how bad the other matches have been, but it was okay until the cheap finish where everyone was brawling on the floor and typhoon got in to beat the count with all the time they spent booking the rest of the card, they must have spent the time it takes between bites of a roast beef sandwich to come up with the finish here. And it gives it a star and a half, but listen, this is rarefied air here. I mean, there, there was a term in the business called the road warrior pop. And if you're working with the road warriors, you're in a prime time spot and they're the tag champs and it's on pay-per-view quite the push for the natural disasters. You know, we've heard over the years that Vince was a body guy. But here, maybe this isn't the type of body he's normally looking for, but he's got the size and spades with the natural disasters. And, uh, I don't know. It probably made sense to put him in there with the Legion of doom. What'd you think of their rumble match? I'm um, clearly a count out is not exactly what we'd all be looking for, but you got a lot of beef in there. You definitely do. And, and to that point, I think that the body guy thing, people see it one way and then there's the reality of it. You're looking at size. You're looking at someone larger than life that has a, that has a presence. They have a unique look and they have a presence and both earthquake and Tenta had a presence. When they walked through an airport, people looked, people would look at them and go, Holy shit, man. Those are two big bastards. What the hell do they do? Then you start getting into it and more is, you know, more comes out of it. So they were someone that definitely were, they were able to go. Both guys could go Tenta, especially still at this point. But, um, as far as, you know, the road warriors, natural opponents. And I dare say that. The natural disasters probably got more out of the road warriors for that big man collision type match than anybody did. We, um, 
we don't see a rematch at WrestleMania eight, which I think probably at Royal rumble, I would have just assumed, oh, they're going to do that again. Uh, WrestleMania eight winds up being money Inc and natural disasters. But before we get there, we should say the natural disasters actually turn face when Jimmy Hart turns on them and joins forces with money Inc money Inc of course had just won the tag titles from Legion of doom with a name like natural disasters and this feud with Hulk Hogan in the not so distant memory. What's the thinking in turning these guys, babyface? two big bastards that the audience believed in regardless of whether you liked them or not, you believed them. So they were out there and it was a situation where you could just flip the opponents and whoever they were wrestling, if they were, if they were wrestling heels, then they would be the baby faces. Let's, uh, let's talk about WrestleMania eight. They do get their, uh, tag title shot again, this time against money Inc. But Meltzer did not like it. Uh, natural disasters get a win by count out the same way. You know, they've won a lot of these matches. Um, Meltzer was like, oh, this was bad. Disasters aren't over his faces one lick and worked so badly that the crowd didn't have a lick of interest in the match. Typhoon was far worse than usual, which is a mouthful. Typhoon splashed IRS and Jimmy Hart pulled him out of the ring and they walked back to the dressing room for the count out loss. The fans in the building who, no matter how many times they see this have always popped for the count out, thinking the titles change hands, didn't care one iota horrible match and an even worse finish negative two stars. <sighs> Less than awesome. What'd you think of the WrestleMania eight match? Yeah, I wasn't there at the time and just. Is Pat Patterson would say, Nyeh. actually, it's more like what Eugene would say. Yeah. Didn't like it. Didn't care. This is the first time we should mention, uh, in earthquakes run so far, you know, going back to 89, that he's a baby face. Do you think he had, do you think Tenta had a preference baby face or heel? I think most talent that have ever worked heel enjoy being a heel. Of course. It's just so much more fun. Uh, it's easier but it's also more, a lot more fun in July of 92, right before you come back at a house show in Worcester, the natural disasters defeat money Inc for the tag titles. This does beg the question. If they're going to win the titles anyway, why not do it on pay-per-view? Do you have any, I don't know you weren't there, but do you have any insights while the tag title switch here would have happened at a house show? Every once in a while you do that to let people know that it could happen in your town too. So the next time that the championship is up for grabs and you're saying, well, no, it's going to happen at a pay-per-view. I'll just wait. No, by God, it could happen in Huntsville, Abilama. Probably not though. Uh, at, at SummerSlam, the natural disasters. You would... wait. <laughs> All right. Listen up Huntsville. When, when house shows are a thing again. If a title change happens here in Huntsville, it's just because I challenged Bruce. So hashtag you're welcome. Uh, at SummerSlam, the how do you know, how do you know, we're not going to do it and say Kansas city. Well, you, cause I said it wouldn't happen in Huntsville and you got pissed and said, you wait, <laughs> like, 
Uh, despite yeah, well, I'm good. the IC title there, it's sticking up Conrad's ass. How about now, motherfucker? We'll switch the damn Universal Championship there. Oh, that, on that? I, okay, let's see. You're welcome, Huntsville. That's never happened before here. At SummerSlam, the natural disaster successfully defend the titles against the Beverly Brothers. Uh, of course, the Beverly Brothers are the former Destruction, Q, Destruction Crew, easy for me to say, in the AWA. I, I was never a Beverly Brothers guy. I couldn't get into it. You know, I could appreciate they had a cool look and blah, 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 but it was just a miss for me. Uh, what can you tell us about their match at SummerSlam or anything at all about the Beverly Brothers you'd like to share? Oh, my God. Great guys. Really great guys. Um, from Minnesota. And Wayne Bloom was just was one of the strongest humans on the face of the earth. Doesn't look like it looks like a tall, skinny guy, right? But, uh, incredible strength. But, uh, both of those guys were just so easy to get along with both tremendous workers in their own right, but it's just kind of, eh, you know, um, they clicked as a team. They were good. Just the audience never really cared for whatever reason. If you were to get, this is another example of, if you were to be able to get Bloom and Enos, the real human being, they were funny. They were entertaining and legit athletes. You, I don't know. It just, you couldn't get them on camera. And the audience didn't care. Well, the natural disasters hold the titles until October 13th. Then they lose them back to money Inc in Regina or sorry, Regina. Well, that takes us to the 92 survivor series, natural disasters and the nasty boys are going to beat money Inc and the Beverly brothers in an elimination tag match. Most would say the work itself was solid from start to finish, except in spots where the nasty boys didn't seem to be using babyface moves and money Inc had to walk themselves through the move earthquake pinned Bo Beverly with the uh, splash in nine minutes and 25 seconds, which gave the faces a four on two advantage psychologically. That's pretty hard to get a lot of the crowd reaction when the heels are getting pounded while being outmanned. IRS would pin Typhoon for a second fall when after DiBiase trips him, and the third fall lasted five seconds with Sags pinning IRS with a schoolboy. He gives it a star and a quarter. And then, you know, I can't believe this happened this way. But the night after the Royal Rumble 1993 show, Earthquake loses to uh, the Bam Bam Bigelow character here by count out and he leaves the company. And this just seems like, I don't know that he was with you guys a lot longer, you know, debuting on TV in late 89, I think November 89, the first time I saw him. And now here in January of 93, he's out of here. I mean, he's not here very long, but he made the most of it. Did he not? Yes, he did. And at this point in his career, I think Tenta was looking for something else. He wanted to go back to Japan and was kind of tired of being on the road. I think he was living at the time. I think he was living in Seattle. 
or something like that. So the trips were hard. My God, if you're going to, if you're going to live somewhere and you travel the country the way that we do, I wouldn't pick Seattle as a place to live or any place on the West Coast, but to each his own. And the travel was tough for John at the time. Well, yeah. And he's a big boy, you know, so if you're making cross country trips, you know, twice a week like that with lots of connections and you're a big boy, it's probably a challenge. Okay. So we mentioned they start the day after Christmas, December 26th, 1988 against the Bolsheviks by February, they're starting a feud with the fabulous Rougeau brothers, uh, which is kind of fun considering we've already covered that they used to work with Jacques Rougeau. Uh, and they really feature this feud a lot on WWF TV at the time to the point that they're even a part of WrestleMania five and the Bushwhackers are victorious. Meltzer would write of the match, the Bushwhackers down the Rougeaus in five minutes and 10 seconds after a double stomach breaker on Raymond. Suffice to say, this is one of the worst batches in the modern history of any civilized nation. Monsoon didn't know Luke from Butch. The sheep herder strut is really over, but I can't describe in words how bad this match was. Let's just say Paul Jones versus Ivan Koloff is no longer the favorite to win worst match of the year. Negative four stars. I know you, you totally disagree with everything Meltzer writes. So we'll table that. what do you think of this match? Thought it was fun. It, it's, it was what it was meant to be. And that was for the bushwhackers to go out and get everything off to a great start and get people going and having fun. I agree. It was fun. It's not for everybody. It's the, let me up. It's for kids. It's blah, blah, blah. There's a famous moment from this match. That's become an internet meme and a gif that wrestling fans share all over the place where one of the bushwhackers is getting body slammed and he does a little, uh, little hog check on one of the Rougeaus. Did you see that on the monitor when it happened? And were you laughing when you see a rib on live TV like that? I can't say I did. You, do you, you still don't know what I'm talking about right now? I don't. Okay. I'll send you a link. All right. I mean, it's pretty hilarious. I think it's Luke and, and, and Ray Rougeau. Anyway, they put the teams back together again for Saturday night's main event. 23. Once again, the bushwhackers were victorious. Uh, they defeat the Rougeaus twice more first at the 89 survivor series. And again, at the 90 rumble, the Rougeaus and Bushwhackers, somebody there really loved this pairing, right? Well, I think that it was, they had a little bit of history together and with the, with the Rougeaus, uh, from working up in, in Montreal and the father and everything else. So there was some history there, but. They had pretty good chemistry. Everybody knew their role, too. The Rougeaus were getting over his heels, and their role was to get the Bushwhackers over, and they they did it. So it was four guys that enjoyed working with each other and went out and played their role every single night. Uh, our third WrestleMania for the guys is uh, March 24th, 1991, at the LA Memorial Coliseum, I mean, the LA Sports Arena. Uh, it's not a match and this year. It's not even an in-ring segment, but it is pretty funny. We see a pre-taped debate on instant replay with George Steinbrenner and Paul McGuire narrated by Vince McMahon. The debate was inspired by Randy Savage, costing the ultimate warrior, of the world title back at the Royal rumble. And during the segment, the bushwhackers are going to be portrayed as referees, uh, that are tied up in the video film while trying to make a call. What'd you think of this? Loved it. 
absolutely loved it. it. It was a different way. This was during the whole, <laughs> the instant replay debates and everything. We got outsiders to, to work with us. And Steinbrenner was always fucking awesome. But I thought it was great exposure for him. And it kind of was a nice payoff to everything that we had built up to that point uh, with the whole instant replay and, and different things that were going on in the world at the time. By 1990, they're feuding with the newly established team Rhythm and Blues, which is, of course, Honky Tonk Man and Greg the Hammer Valentine. And the Bushwhackers WrestleMania 6 appearance comes at the expense of Rhythm and Blues as they show up during a segment attacking Honky Tonk Man and Valentine. This is kind of fun little let-me-up segment of WrestleMania, right? The the classic line, and this is a, a shout-out to someone. I won't mention their name. I'll just see if they listen and hear this. Uh, is Gorilla Monsoon when Greg Valentine was singing. He says, if they were to hang Greg Valentine for being a great singer, they'd be hanging an innocent man. And then the, the horrible way that Honky Tonk just looks and you've got Luke and Butch down there as concession guys throwing concessions out. It's like, hey, hey, wait a minute. What are you two concessionaires doing? Well, you're not concessionaires at all. You're Bushwhacker Luke. And you're Bushwhacker Butch. You're the Bushwhackers. And then Bushwhacker slide in the ring and tear everything up. Um, my God, get the exposure out there without having to have a match and get the honky tonk man and rhythm and blues out there to sing a song. Everybody wins. I got my long side burns and my hair slick back. Actually, that was uh, the other song. You know what I mean? Everybody loves to hear me sing. And your boy, See me dance and your, your best friend personally, DDP, he was there too, huh? He was there driving a pink Cadillac with Peggy Sue. Pretty remarkable. Let's talk about what's next here. The, uh, 92 SummerSlam show, or I guess the SummerSlam spectacular is the show that precedes the pay-per-view in the UK. And this is where the Bushwhackers get a title shot against then champs Monk. but in the match, which aired on the USA network, they fall short IRS pins, butch. Of course, SummerSlam is next. They're going to team up with Jim Duggan on the pre-show. They're going to defeat the Mountie and the Nasty Boys. They're slated to team with the Natural Disasters against Money, Inc. and the Beverly Brothers at the 92 Survivor Series. But on the November 7th edition of Superstars, they agree to let Jimmy Hart um, have the Nasty Boys take their place after the duo turns on their manager. So the Bushwhackers conclude the year here by resuming their long running feud with the Beverly brothers on house shows. And sometimes they'll even team with tiger Jackson against Bo Blake and little Mickey Moses in six man matches. Tell me what the fuck we need to know about tiger Jackson and little Mickey Moses. Tiger Jackson, arguably by the modern era, one of the greatest little people, uh, that was working at the time. Uh, he was Dink and from Montreal, hell of a talent. Um, the other one, I have no idea. I think he was just, uh, the guy that Tiger was working with at the time. <laughs> it was like, well, you got a little filler to work with. All right, let's bring him in. So, but Tiger was a hell of a talent. Tiger was entertaining as hell. Naked Mind Yoga plus Pilates is a brand new fitness and wellness studio owned and founded by Brandy Rhodes. The physical studio in Roswell, Georgia offers yoga and Pilates reformer classes 
plus childcare for clients all under one roof. That is truly unique. And it makes Naked Mind the only yoga or Pilates studio of its kind in the entire Atlanta area. For those of you who aren't local to the Atlanta area, Naked Mind has an app. You can get moving with yoga and Matt Pilates classes led by Brandy and a hand-picked group of established yoga and Pilates instructors. It's a fantastic way to try yoga and get into a new fitness and wellness program. Yoga is good for the mind and the body making it one of the leading wellness practices in the world today. You can find the Naked Mind app on Apple and Android devices and enjoy $10 off your first month or retail when you use the code CONRAD10. Naked Mind plus Pilates online at nakedmindstudio.com. That's nakedmindstudio.com. Well, the new hip thing I want to tell you about is an amazing new app called Vita. They've created a new form of advertising that eliminates spam and allows everyone to get paid for their time and attention. You simply go to Vita.io to download the Vita app and select a free second phone number. So you no longer have to worry about giving away your personal number. When a telemarketer calls your Vita number, they'll need to pay to get their message through. And the best part is the app is completely free. Brands are finally realizing the value of rewarding their customers for their time and attention. And our new sponsor, CrowdHealth, is using it. It's not only a fun way to support the show, but you can also earn some money in the process. So please try it out today by downloading the app at vida.io or by calling 509-WRESTLE and following the link. That's 509-973-7853 and help support the show Call now and you'll earn your first dollar just for downloading. That's vida.io or call 509 Wrestle. That's 509 Wrestle and you'll earn your first dollar for just downloading. Listen, here's the backstory. In January, Mysterio and Rob Van Dam lose the tag titles to the Bashams. That's right, the Bashams in a fatal four way elimination match. During the match, RVD injures his left knee. The Bashams smash it with the steel steps, taking him out of the match. And with Van Dam injured, Mysterio asked the SmackDown GM, Teddy long for a rematch long, long agrees to give Ray a rematch. If he can find a suitable partner and then fast forward February 17th on SmackDown Mysterio reveals his new partner, Eddie Guerrero. So here we go. Eddie Guerrero and Ray Mysterio are going to wrestle the Bashams for the tag titles here. They get plenty of time, 14 minutes and 48 seconds. Wade would say nothing wrong with the match as it was solidly executed. But other than a fun finishing sequence, it wasn't an ambitious effort. The first 11 minutes felt like competent filler. And later Guerrero grabbed a tag belt, but Ray told him not to use it. Meanwhile, the Basham switched places inside the ring. Guerrero went to the top rope, but when he went for the frog splash, he revealed he knew the Basham switch since he turned his dive into a safe roll landing and Guerrero pretended to be hurt. When Doug turned around, Guerrero surprised him with a small package. Danny threw Guerrero a tag belt. Guerrero played hot potato, tosses it to Doug. The ref takes it away from Doug, and then Ray gives Eddie the other belt. He knocks out Doug with it. Then he catches the 619 on Danny, and Eddie covers Doug for the win. And Wade liked the match, but said it should have been better. Two and a quarter stars. I absolutely loved the lie and cheat and steal persona of Eddie, where he's good-natured, but trying to get the win however he can and outsmart the bad guys. That was well done here. I thought the teaming with Ray was, was very well done, but it does feel like a bit of a demotion. We go from closing the shows with the world title to now we're in the opening match for the tag belts, 
But on the other hand, I guess it's kind of smart because you don't want to necessarily piss off the hardcore Eddie fans. You put him into another meaningful spot with someone, you know, he's going to have great chemistry with like Ray Mysterio and it can be just as entertaining. And, and it was entertaining. It was a very good match. The, I think that what the feeling was, was it was vanilla. There wasn't a whole lot to it. The The entire match was, look, the Bashams both tremendous workers, but they just didn't have a whole lot of personality. And all of the personality, everything in that match that made it worthwhile came out of Eddie and Ray. And again, you just go back to that sly, you know, the sly smiles, the sneakiness of Eddie. And the way that he would underplay it was just sheer delight when you go back you want to see how to how to be a heel and be loved that was eddie guerrero and we knew that down the road where we wanted to go eddie wanted to get back to being a heel again and you had to invest the time into the relationship with ray to get to that point and this was the beginning of that so knowing where it was going that was good the match was okay Nothing else. It just was, it was, it was there to me, which you'll hear that repeated a lot. Well, I love the pairing. The idea is great. Let's talk about the Bashams. I don't know when we'll talk about them again. Uh, what, what should we know about the Bashams that maybe we don't? Well, Doug Basham was, they're both were out of OVW and, and Louisville and Doug Basham was Danny Davis's brother-in-law, maybe. Something like that. I don't know. They were related somehow. Um, decent hand, good size, but as far as star power and that personality to take him to the other side, I'm not sure that that Doug was going to be one of those uh, one of those guys that was going to break through the pack. Um, the other Basham was Damaja. Um, who worked in, in OVW. Again, a, a hell of a hand, a hell of a good worker. Um, he had some personality in his damage persona that he did in OVW. They looked alike. They had similar styles and thought, well, let's make them brothers and try and get some personality out of them. And I just don't know that it ever really came out. So you surrounded him with JBL in the cabinet and that whole experience, but it just, you know, some, some guys are only going to go so far. And that was, I think that was the story of the Bashams. Let's uh, keep it moving here on the show. Um, I guess we should mention on the following episode of SmackDown though, uh, Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio would successfully defend those titles against the Bashams. And they would continue to defend the titles against other teams, including Mark Jindrak and Luther Reigns, JBL and Orlando Jordan, Hardcore Holly and Charlie Haas. Grail, however, challenged Mysterio to a match at WrestleMania 21 to find out who was a better wrestler, which Mysterio accepted. And then the following week on SmackDown, Guerrero faced Danny Basham, but Mysterio accidentally cost him the match. And later that night, Guerrero cost Mysterio his match against Doug Basham. As we know, at WrestleMania, Mysterio would defeat Guerrero and that really speaks to your point earlier, Bruce, about taking it seriously to sort of pay it forward and help get some of these other guys over. Um, 
is Eddie the guy who's asking to work with Ray and ultimately wants to put Ray over at WrestleMania? Well, it was something that we had discussed, and it was looking at a logical, you know, feel good. What do we need story? And that was uh, Ray and Eddie had history for many years from Mexico, from WCW, but also personally, they were good friends and they got along. And that comes through when you're working a program with someone. If you gel outside of the ring, you're probably going to gel inside the ring. So you could feel the connection between the two. And that's what made the difference. What did you think of the, uh, the competition they were doing on this show where they had the different women competing and wearing formal wear and letting fans vote online on WWE.com. I mean, I know it's time and place, but it's still kind of weird, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Less said the better. It just was, it's, it's, it's just, it doesn't play well. And I think that especially that crop of talent, it just, I don't know, didn't feel good. Didn't feel big to me at all. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson here to tell you a little more about what adfreeshows.com is all about. Get early ad-free access to more than a dozen of your favorite wrestling podcasts every single week, starting at just nine bucks. That's less than 20 cents an episode each month. And yes, you can listen to them all directly through Apple Podcasts or your regular podcast apps. How easy is that? Ad-Free Shows also has thousands of hours worth of bonus content and docu-series like Title Chase, Eric Fires Back, Conversations with Conrad, and The Insiders. Plus new series like The Book with David Crockett, Monday Mailbags with Mike Chioda and Nick Patrick, and a whole lot more. And you want to talk about early? You can't get any earlier than listening to the shows live. You can be a part of the live studio audience as we record the podcast. Plus, ride shotgun alongside your favorite childhood heroes for live watch-alongs, Q&As, and other interactive experiences every single month. Come on now, see for yourself what thousands of other wrestling fans from around the world have discovered. That adfreeshows.com is the best value in wrestling. Check it out today, and hey, when you do, the first week is completely free. Adfreeshows.com John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.